I don't know why he makes eye contact with me and he starts saying three beans, right? Three beans. And he's aggressively yelling, almost sweating. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and to quote the great Steve Harvey, well, we got a good one for you today, folks. As always, helping me navigate the wild waters of the WWE Universe, the voice of NXT 2.0, the Johnny to my pony boy. Oh, yeah. Nick Joseph. Vic, I noticed you brought out your best denim. You got the memo? I did get the memo of the denim. I don't think our guest today, though, will get the same memo because anywhere you see him, he's always dressed to the nines. Dressed to the nines with a lot on his mind. He is the name on the lips of everybody in the sports entertainment industry, even beyond the hallowed walls of the WWE universe for the very first time ever here on After the Bell. Let's not waste any time getting into it. He is the American nightmare, Cody Rhodes. Cody, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much. I was, as you were introducing me there, I was shaking my head in a charismatic fashion, I thought. But then I realized via these video conferences, sometimes that just comes across as anything that, that <laughs> yeah, I could right. be falling asleep. <laughs> All right, so I, I stopped. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, so am I, man. We've got, we've got a lot of catching up to do. Very little time, so much to get to. Uh, you and I haven't properly had a chance to... S- catch up since you uh, shocked the world and returned to WWE. There's now been a few weeks since your dramatic return at WrestleMania, which has had the entire sports entertainment industry a buzz. Now that you've been able to digest it, sort of reacclimate a little bit for roughly a month or so, how are you feeling? Well, I actually, we have not properly caught up. That's, that is true. We really haven't spoke at TV except for a brief moment, but there is, I don't know if it may have meant something to me and perhaps it was just Tuesday for you. I don't know, but there is a moment in the match at WrestleMania where I heard you because you're very loud and we were over <laughs> in your neck of the woods and I heard you. And then when we rolled back in the ring, I made eye contact with you and you weren't, you were laid out for a period of time on, you weren't talking. And I thought that that was really special because maybe you and I aren't like super, super close or anything like that, but you were part of Dusty's, you know, menagerie of individuals and talents and stars. And that was very cool to see you were the one telling this story, particularly about one of Dusty's prized pupils against his son. That was very special. It was perfect little moment but yeah i i'm i'm glad uh i'm glad you got to tell that story i am and i i haven't acclimated i haven't caught up i'm still did you see the amount of media that they gave me to do yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah, no. no rest for the weary no i uh yeah i'm still very much on cloud nine this episode is brought to you by anytime fitness We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. I want to add something to what Cody just said, actually. I I stood out in the crowd not knowing what was going to happen as a fan and had that hat on. And this is a testament to both of you. One, the reaction from the WWE Universe, Cody, for you is the same reaction that I had, putting that on the headset so that I can hear the announcers. And Corey, I I, I don't think I've told you this yet. You used two descriptors undesirable to undeniable. And I have that in my memory and shedding skin. And that was two moments of the commentary that Corey provided in that matchup, which goes back to Corey being dusty and all the molding of clay. And also for the passion he has for you and your return. So you were dead on with your thought there, Cody, that was an unbelievable moment, Corey, for you calling that match. 
Well, it was easy for me because it, it was, you know, we talk as commentators, Vic, you can appreciate this. And Cody, as a storyteller yourself in the ring, everyone goes out every night with the goal of quote unquote, telling a story, but it is up to us as commentators to verbalize the story, which a lot of times is pretty difficult. And I, truth be told, did not know 100% until your music hit that you were going to be Seth Rollins' opponent at WrestleMania. But the story itself was so organic and it was real. And I was happy to be the one tasked with telling that tale. And I couldn't really prepare because I didn't know for sure. I had ideas. I'd heard the same rumors as everybody. So to watch that play out and for you and Rollins to tear it down like you did and have all of these different bits of history from our relationship, you and I, my, Rollins is one of my closest friends and just and the common thread being the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, and have it all climax at WrestleMania just felt like a perfect story. Did you feel that when the match ended and you were in the ring receiving the adulation in AT&T Stadium? Did it hit you right then and there? There's a certain point where I, I'd say I stepped into the, the role, where I stepped into the moment, and it's about halfway down the ramp when they blew, you know, God knows how much money worth of pyro uh, behind me. <laughs> And uh, it, it's the, right then when I feel like I stepped in to the moment and what was about to happen and all the preparation and not just like preparation for an individual match, but preparation over your whole life, your whole life as a, if this is what you want to do, if this is your life's work, which for me, it has been, that's it. This is the thing you've been wanting and waiting for. And coming in a complete outsider, Mike Rome was very helpful in how he introduced me with the enthusiasm that he introduced me. And again, you're talking about adding to the story. JR always used to tell me you're adding these lyrics to the music that we're making. I felt I was very grateful. That's what the feeling was when it was done. I was very grateful because remember I went away. Uh, I started a rival promotion. I talked an endless amount of I broke the throne. I disrupted everything about um, our space. And a lot of that was targeted at WWE. So to come in and people not care about that, people just happy and loving and understanding my journey. You mentioned undesirable to undeniable. That's a whole, that's real. Right. When I left, I was not incredibly desired. Uh, Wasn't, you know, it's not all the bad blood that maybe people make it out to be, but that's what the feeling was. It was very grateful. I don't know Mike Rome. Actually, I think I've had one interaction with him before that, and it wasn't good. And then the next thing you know, he's giving me this golden, absolutely building, shaking, uh, like decibels with his voice and how he pronounced the American nightmare and knowing that that's something that the people would be very excited about. And I just, I was grateful. And then I saw Stu, the cameraman. And I saw these guys who I, I mean, I went to WWE before I could order a drink at a bar. I was 20 years old, 21 when I debuted on television. So a lot of these guys were formative for me growing up. The production cats around the ring, my cousin Berkeley, who I forgot works there. <laughs> I was very grateful. I'm, su I'm surprised Vic that you didn't know because you're friends with that little stooge Cardona. <laughs> <laughs> having dinner with him later today i am yeah i am friends with him as well but he you gotta you he was probably a very small circle of people when this initially was brought to me knew and i told him i told him everything too every detail every everything and i was really genuinely expecting him to go don't do it don't don't and man, he couldn't have gone. He went completely the opposite way. He was a your train of thought, Corey. That's the ultimate undeniable. Come back, come back, and land in the fashion that you did. And and uh, yeah, he uh, inadvertently set all of this in motion because I really thought he was going to say go the other way. Um, but man, no, he was he was uh, gung ho. I'm shocked he didn't stooge it off to you, Vic, because you know him when he gets drinking and that eye gets rolling. And you get a couple <laughs> martinis and those hands start coming yeah. up. You know, anything can happen oh, yeah. at that point. Oh, man. Did anyone uh, push back? You, you talk about mapping. Yeah, go do it. Did you have any pushback when you brought it up to anybody? Great question. Mm, no. I think there was one person who was concerned was DDP. He came over to my house and downstairs, we got the nightmare bar. You're both welcome whenever. 
I will take you up on that. <laughs> there, sure. The Diet Bear Bar is the real deal. It's up and running. Um, he came down there and I just got one of these Bartesians where you get the instant cocktails. Yes. And I, was re- I was real excited to show him the, uh, the light uh, margaritas and he drank all of the ones I had in stock. And uh, over the course of those six or seven light margaritas that he kept slamming down, he's such a big dude. You forget how big he is. And, you know, having gotten so over in the industry himself, he was just really pensive, maybe. And he brought up a good point. The last time I did something major leaving WWE, he was of the same thought process. Well, if you believe, if, if you're confident, then I'll be confident with you and confident for you. And he gave me some tips on maybe some people to speak to and things to let people know before it all went down. But yeah, he was the only one who was a little bit more fatherly and like, okay, let's make sure this is what you want. It's not just a knee jerk thing, but for the most part, everyone was who knew in that very small circle, everyone was absolutely go do it. Absolutely. Which did surprise me. So why was now the right time to make the move? Obviously, take the business perspective out of things, contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Why is 2022, after doing what you've done, and you just rifled off a list of different things you've done in your time away from WWE, why was now the right time for the American Nightmare to come back to WWE? Uh, let me ask you this as far as I know, I definitely, I think we're all of the same. We're all similar ages. Maybe Vic isn't. Vic, are you really young? I'm old. I'm almost 40. How old are you? I'll be 37 here in like a month, month or two months. Oh my God. Perfect. And you're around a similar Corey, similar area. I'm one year senior to Vic. Okay. So perfect. Okay. Then you guys probably know this, but you'll know what I'm talking about. 35 to 42 is historically men's wrestler prime. That's really, if you look at the golden age of wrestling in the late eighties or early eighties or mid eighties, whatever it may be, where you had these grown men and these grown women who had done the territory loop, knew how to make the magic, absolutely listened to the promoter and understood those elements, but also knew it's my music to play. This is your, you're getting me. I'm going to bring me, I'll, 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 your vision will intersect, but that's your prime when you know what to do. And I was a slow learner. Seth Rollins is a much faster learner than me. He got to the mountaintop quicker. I was a slow learner, but I genuinely felt that there wasn't a better wrestler in the world than me. And I know people can qualify it a hundred different ways. Well, the work rate, promo, charisma, they get into all these categories. To me, wrestling is about discussion. Pro wrestlers create a discussion week to week. Are Are you talking about that guy? Are you talking about that girl? Are you interested in seeing this match? All that aside. 35 to 42 is the wrestler prime. So I didn't want to lock myself out of, hey, I didn't get the big one that I wanted when I was there last time. And frankly, I wasn't ready or prepared or having, I wasn't doing the work to get it. But now this has been presented as an opportunity to to go for it, to try. And I didn't want to lock myself out age-wise. I could be wrong. I could be doing this till I'm 50, like my brother who's doing it still at a high level. I don't think for me, I will have the ability to do it beyond this maybe 35 to 45 window. And the reason I say that, and it's, it's not an arbitrary number, it's because I started, and I remember when I met you, Corey, long, long ago, I started at 20 and I was a bad guy essentially my whole career. So all I did was fall down. All I did was take bumps. And I was on the WWE schedule, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, sometimes. That makes you go from 35 to 65 real quick. So that's in my mind. I want to do it while I'm the best I absolutely am. I want to do it when I'm just at the top of my game. And also, you just saw her before we started. Liberty is just a tiny little 11-month-old baby. I want to make sure, you know, by the time she's four or five and uh, things start to get, she becomes more of a little human than just a toddler slash infant. I want to be able to be there more then, you know, someone who travels the roads often does get the opportunity to be there. So just this just felt like the sweet spot. I can get it done right here. I can get it done or maybe, maybe I can't get it done, but I'm going to say what I want to do and I'm going to go after it. And this is the best years. I just didn't I didn't want to lose my the prime of my career, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. I was going to get there eventually, but you brought it up for me. Uh, Liberty, your daughter, how is fatherhood changed not only you Cody uh your wife Brandy obviously who's still part of this industry how has the Rhodes household evolved now 
with fatherhood as part of the mix? Well, the biggest thing is everything centers around the baby and it's, it's not a obligation it's not about or, you anymore. <laughs> yes. It's, it's not about you and wrestlers and everyone involved in our business. You're entering in, in, into entertainment. We're all probably somewhat selfish, some more selfish than others. We want something. We want to be the best. We want to be the most entertaining. We, we want to be attached to these memories, whatever it may be. So upon her being born, it became more about less wanting it for me and more about wanting it for, for the whole, for the, for like the whole unit, you know? Um, I mean, this sounds silly, but she was born and I was, you know, tears in my eyes and I was so happy to see her. And once I found out she's, you know, you hear the cry and then these nurses literally put her in your arm and they don't take her back. Like there's not, there's not another process after the baby comes the bam, that's yours. And I thought a million things, but one of the things I thought as well was, gosh, I need to make a lot of money. I need to make a lot of money because I don't, I, I don't want her to ever want anything. And I know like you, you know, you raise them to be good. It's not about money. And I trust me, I totally get it, but I don't mind. This is my one child. I'm going to go the completely opposite route of perhaps how my dad did with me. And actually I'm going to go the route. He went with my sister Teal. She's going to get everything. If I get a fur coat, she's going to get a fur coat. If I get a Mercedes, she's going to get a mini Mercedes. It doesn't, I don't, it may be wrong parenting. It may be terrible, but she's going to get everything. Um, which I don't even know. That's what's changed. It's all about like, I got to get this for Liberty. I got, it's for Liberty. It's for Liberty. <laughs> Everything is for, that's what the big noticeable change was. And it's the same with Brandy as far as uh, we just watched a uh, Supreme court justice, uh, you know, the, her being uh, the votes to go into the Supreme court and you see right. her, Ron Jackson. Da- her daughter. Yeah. And her daughter is watching her. And that photo is like etched in my wife's brain because that's what I want. Like, I want Liberty to, to, to be proud of us. I'm already proud of her, but I want her to be proud of us. And that, again, the sweet spot of like, I got to go do it now. I got to, I mentioned in that promo on raw about doing it for dusty roads. And that's real. Cause everything is for dusty. Like that's, that's real. But I, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out, it's not just for the dead, the living go on michelle teal liberty my wife of course like those people are there on this damn team now like you you want it for all of them too so i feel like the longest answer ever i gave you but in short it's just all this selfishness transferred to this little girl and it was about her and it calmed me way down i have a terrible temper terrible temper and it got worse when i left wwe because no one stopped me I was a lunatic. I was because, and I had that fear of that. I didn't speak up when I was at WWE. So now I've got to overly speak up. So I'm snapping on people left and right. Just a nuisance to work with the first few years until I kind of calm myself down. But with her, I've calmed way down. As long as she's safe, happy, healthy. Hey, we're doing this on TV. That sounds cool. Okay. Maybe not my cup of tea. We'll make it work, whatever. But I've calmed myself down. So it's calmed me down, calmed the house down. And it's gave us a specific thing. I think a goal and, and future is our outlook is all about her. I want to ask you, obviously your daughter's birth has had a great effect on you as a man, as a person. What sort of things did you learn and experience after leaving WWE? Obviously you start this, this new promotion. You're the face of it. You're learning, you're wearing many hats. You're no longer just a competitor. You've, you've got official duties behind the camera. What sort of things did you learn and experience that have helped shape you and mold you and help prepare you better for this run in WWE that maybe people wouldn't assume because it's not something that they get to see on camera? When I left initially and did the, uh, the big independent run. Now I had never, uh, I'd never really been to the independence outside of a few here and there with my taking my dad and, and watching him. When I did the big independent run, which was a full two years before it was a little bit of a commitment to ring of honor after that. And then obviously it would segue into uh, AEW, but what I, what really happened and what I learned was at WWE, I just felt 
like I was on, I was spoiled. I started right in front of thousands and thousands of people. And the, you know, the lights are down and the spotlights on the ring and it's WWE, the place is going nuts. You, I felt like I perhaps took it for granted. Going to the independents, even with the large crowds at independents, because independents at the time were booming and they're doing well again right now, you did get the opportunity to do these meet and greets. That's a big part of independent wrestling, the meet and greet. To me, it was the match was almost secondary. I wanted to meet every fan. Um, that's why I started wearing the student tie everywhere I went. It became a second nature to me. I wanted to meet them. I never felt like I fully crossed the aisle. I never felt like I really met all these fans over the years because you see the power of television when you, when you travel all around and do that, that loop like I did. But that's also where I developed what I would call a bad habit and a habit that a lot of people disagree with. I will stay out there until I meet every single fan, until I take every single picture, until I sign every autograph. And it's not like a Barry Horowitz type pat on the back situation in this moment. It's, it's because that's what brought me to the dance, if that makes any sense. Uh, I left the Stardust and part of becoming the American Nightmare and really building this whole brand and the logo and every aspect of it and the Nightmare family and the Nightmare Factory and all this stuff, that was really genuinely connecting with a fan base, not just taking it for granted that people will like me or dislike me, boo me in a match, cheer me in a match, but actually connect with them. And that was the number one thing I got out of all of it, out of the whole run was I have to, I know some wrestlers all, you know, stay less is more, of course, and stay high up in the ring, you know, let them revere you and see you. That's, that's just for some people, not for me. What's worked for me is to get on the ground and actually make contact with everybody uh, that I can. That was the most important thing I got. I got to wrestle everybody who was on that list, minus Roderick Strong, who works at NXT. So that could happen. Still um, not off the table. Yeah, still not off the table. Um, so, yeah, that was the number one thing I got was the ability. And there are a lot of people who I have to explain it to. I met WWE security for the first time while doing this. And I told him, I said, if you don't take me out of here, I will be here until the lights, the house lights come up. You, you, you guys, you, I'm at your, you do your thing. Billy Kidman, poor guy, running gorilla position and has to say to the very end, oh, I hope you, I hope we have a good relationship and maybe I can like pay him some tribute of some sort, some Sour Patch Kids or something from time to time. Because <laughs> the same is, if you put me out there last, it's going to happen. If you put there, put me out there before an admission, it's going to happen. Everyone's been very accommodating of it so far because um, that's just what I do. I don't, uh, I don't remember what you asked, Corey. I don't know where I've gone with this answer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We're all taking the journey together. I'm with you. Yeah, right? You talk about the fans. I, I had an opportunity to work with you at WrestleMania Access, uh, a panel exclusively for fans after your return on it was yeah. WrestleMania Sunday. And before we started this, he goes, Vic, where'd you go after the panel? I said, Cody, you were out there talking to the fans. I knew there was no way you were getting out of there by 4 a.m. It was already 2 a.m. I had to go to bed. And, and that's just the type of guy, Cody, that you are. And you're very open and honest in that session. There's one thing that didn't get asked to you at WrestleMania Access because we ran out of time. And it's over that six years away what was your biggest takeaway personally and professionally that you now adapt to who Cody Rhodes is right now in 2022? I was uh, wrestling a, a match against Chris Hero. And uh, I, have a, I have a lot of respect for Chris Hero and what he's done. And uh, I, he had a lot of respect for me and it was just good, good synergy. But I was, uh, he could see me thinking, I, he could see me pacing and thinking about what we were about to do or what was happening later that night. And I don't, I'll never forget. Uh, we were in the small, small church actually. And, uh, he pulled me aside and said, have no doubt. And I'll, I'll never forget it. He said, have no doubt about what we're going to do, what you're going to do next and what happens out there. Because if you have any doubt, they'll smell it. They'll see it because he knew I was entering a world where the, the wrestling was different. The style was different and there would be, moments that probably were would contradict how I was brought up in the industry or contradict the old rules uh, of pro wrestling in the sport. But that was part of diving into that pool is I'm not just, I've got to swim with these new folks uh, and I might have to swim their way a little bit. And that was 
that moment with Chris Hero was very, very helpful because there was a million matches I did on the independents or at ROH or I did with, uh, you know, guys like the Bucks in New Japan and stuff. There were a million matches that weren't exactly how I would have done it. But that's the beauty of what we do is learning. Um, I wanted to say that when I did the Miz TV segment, where have I been for six years? I've been out in the wilderness, man, doing doing this in a way that people really do like it. It's different. It's different, but I have to bring that with me. I can't just discard that. Uh, all these different psychologies, all these different outlooks and, and fun uh, that's involved with what we do. I really just want fun. Um, it's supposed to be fun for the fans. There's enough and plenty of times it gets serious and melancholy. And I have that all the time. I'm crying out there left and right. But at the, the you know, there should always be pieces on that show that are just really fun. And that was a, a big part of those six years was psychological differences. Uh, how you put a match together, how you run a high spot, the type of crazy stuff that you would save if you perhaps were somewhere else. Well, save nothing was one thing I learned. You know, if there's a stage, we're going to dive off it, whatever it may be. Just that was very helpful to me. And, and I got to learn from that. OK, some of this is right. And some of this is wrong, um, but I can channel it into what makes me me because I'm a heavyweight wrestler. Um, but I like to I like to get in there and, and, and pretty much adapt to the style of the individual I'm working. If that's a, a Seth Rollins, adapt to that style. Kevin Owens, adapt to that style. I like being someone who's able to do it all. And that was something that Arn Anderson uh, in the last few years was also really helpful with me. Like he let me play other people's game. Um, and I thought that was special. When it comes to wrestling fandom, it's not one size fits all. There are different styles. There are different companies all over the globe. Have you experienced any sort of negativity in this day and age of sort of tribalism? It, it even it supersedes pro wrestling. It's it's sort of society as a whole. Everything's pick a side. Uh, since you've come back, have you had to deal with any sort of negativity, or has it been sort of unanimously uh, positive? It initially was unanimously uh, positive, but we tribalism is how it's pronounced, right? I believe so. I don't know what I was saying. I'm glad I've never used it out loud. <laughs> You're technically asking the, the two guys you probably shouldn't ask how to pronounce things. I mean, we really don't. It's, it's okay, but I, I feel like that fan base, that divide that exists amongst all the different bubbles, I like to call them, uh, if there was any negativity... Well, well, I can put some of the blame on my shoulders because, again, I was a few, you know, the last show our shows I had done before making this WWE return. I'm taking little fun pot shots and talking smack, which is what wrestlers do. I think sometimes the fans attach themselves to those statements and forget that we are in the realm of entertainments. Right. But I added to the the tribalism uh, myself, so I can't necessarily get mad at when I see it. I did see a lot of, uh, it was unique to see people burning like my old AEW shirts, which was a trend for a few days there on social. So it felt like you were kind of leaving a sports team. Like I left this city to <laughs> go to this city. Um, that was, I mean, it didn't, it didn't break my heart, but I do remember thinking, I thought it was odd because the place doesn't exist without me. There's other people that needed to be there for it to exist for sure. But I am one of the people that that place exists because of AEW exists partially, partially because of me. So for there to have that strong of a damn, like a, I heard, I saw only a few times I saw the term sold out and I thought like, you have this. It's great. Yeah, like for sure. That's something you should be proud of regardless, regardless of under what banner right. it is. You, you as a businessman, as an entertainer are living the dream. You are, you have achieved the goal. You are now, your name is on the marquee. Your name is putting asses in seats. So that's gotta be a, a very, very prideful feeling. It's the most. And especially because, and I know, you know, this Corey, like the generation that preceded us is really hell bent on letting us all know how we're not doing it right. How we don't move <laughs> needles, how we don't. And like, that's why I like Brandon Thurston and some of these guys who provide data, uh, even though like it, it's, it's good when it's good and it's bad when it's bad, but that's so helpful. That's what I, I've said that in an interview uh, not too long ago. Our generation, we have all the receipts. We're privy to the, we, we see the facts. 
You will see the views on this discussion we are having right now. You will see the metrics and the data. So for these veteran figures to consistently say, oh, no, that's not a thing or no one bought a ticket because of or whatever. Oh, you want to yell and fight and scream. But then it's like, no, it's all out there, man. It's uh, we're winning. Sorry. Um, And, you know, like, that's why I have no beef with uh, two guys in particular. I have no no beef with Vince Russo or Jim Cornette. They've said some wild stuff, particularly about Brandy, which doesn't set well. And that's your, you know, loved one. But guys, like it's if this is how you make money and you're and 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 part of me is providing that for you because you're critiquing what I'm doing to a degree. I just saw I think Cornette has an omnibus on me, like a 10 hour. It's something absurd with all his opinions on me and stuff. Hey, bud, I'm not mad at you. Good, good for you. I was a fan of your work in the, the 80s, one of the hottest tag teams of all time, an incredible manager, a lot of knowledge on the industry. Well, sir, I have a lot of it as well. And uh, again, all the data is right there. But uh, if you don't see it, that's okay. I have n- that none of them. I got into the weeds once. I Poor Disco Inferno, I neutered him publicly online one time, <laughs> just cut the guy's balls right off. I don't know if he's even... If he's still in his hole, but uh, I felt bad. What was the point of that? I what was the point. Those guys, they had their run. It was great. It was awesome. This is our run now. Just chill. Just enjoy it. Take your kids to the show. You know, whenever I see someone who has one of those like really strong, deep rooted hatreds of certain, I go out of my way to try and make their experience great. Like there's no real feud here. We're all talking about the same thing. We love, we lo- it's a ring. It's got four sides. We're going to try and make the crowd go up, go down. It's no different than what you guys were doing. Chill, chill, just just chill, you know? Sorry, I'm going on a total rant here. No, no it's okay. Hey, I'm, no I'm going to keep the rant going, man. We're, we're pulling the keep string. Putting quarters you go. The ride, <laughs> keep putting quarters <laughs> so in the ride, Greg. Keep putting quarters in the ride. I want to bring up, you and I were texting before the show this morning uh, for business purposes regarding commentary. We're just put, kind of putting yes. everybody together. And you ended the message that you sent to the team with here for any and all things we need to turn business upside down. What do you mean by that? What do you mean? Because it's obvious you you have been the man to affect so much change over the past six years. Now you're back in WWE, but your work's not done. What else is, is Cody Rose looking to change or evolve from a overall business perspective? Well, when I say turn the business upside down, um, I'm very hyperbolic and loud and proud and all that thing. But when I say it, I mean, just continue to grow the business. And part of growing the business is not being confined to what we think it is. Uh, it, it can't be confined. Okay, this is what it is and old school. and is old, it, You have to think outside, right? The term that's a big taboo term on social right now is the casual fan. It's a ta- it's a big it's taboo. <laughs> it's it's tab it's it's taboo. The casual fan. It really. I've even gotten mad in the past when that term is used. But whatever the fan is, casual, hardcore fan, a fan of uh, Joshi wrestling, fan of uh, any. It doesn't matter. I want them to watch the damn show, and I want them to find somebody that hey. I like that guy. I like that girl. And I want them to follow that journey. It's become so much about I wrestle here. Or I wrestle there. That's all. You know, I can't watch that. But I, man, I feel like the best content comes from the best wrestlers. And I do also feel like to fully just put an exclamation point on what I say when I say turn the business upside down. You've got a bunch of guys. Kevin Owens is a good example. Seth Rollins is another incredible uh, example, Drew McIntyre, uh, Roman Reigns, you have, you have Becky, you have Bianca, you have Rhea Ripley, you have you, Edge, AJ Styles, all these guys, all these guys at the perfect time in their career. And I didn't name near enough, but this is the perfect time because everyone is in that sweet spot. Everyone has started to figure out how to do this without micromanagement, without the fear of getting in trouble, without just go play your music. Corey's going to add the lyrics to it. And let's just give them the best pro wrestling that can possibly exist. And what excites me is I came back to a stadium show with nearly 80,000 people in it, genuine souls in this building. And now there's, there's Cardiff, there's Nashville, there's Vegas. These are stadiums. 
the business is so healthy. And I just want it to be as healthy as it possibly can be. I've heard enough stories till I'm blue in the face from, you know, Rock and Steve when they sold out Anaheim, sold, you know, 9,000 shirts for The Rock. And then the next night they sold out uh, Staples Center only an hour down the road. I feel like our generation is due for that because we've worked for it and we're ready for it. And personalities are connecting for it. I think all the pieces are there. It's taken a while. Um, but that's what I mean. I think we're heading into just bliss. Maybe is the best way to put it, but I think we're heading to a place where the industry, pro wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it is very, very hot. I completely agree with you. And I agree that all of the pieces are in the right place. Now, what's the next step? What do the pieces do individually or collectively to make that next leap to your point? We've got multiple stadium shows scheduled just between now and the end of the summer, which is unheard of from, from a business perspective. What from a talent perspective is the next step? I would say the next step is, is there already. And it's more upon expanding, expanding upon the personal connection that a fan has with their favorite. That personal connection lasts a lifetime. Um, The rock is the prime example. We're, of people who are fans of his are life fans of his. They see every movie, uh, you know, every, every piece of Under Armour clothing or whatever it may be. I, I see someone, I used Bianca as an example. Becky's another great example. There's tons of, tons of great examples. AJ, there's these connections with the fans expanding upon that connection. Because in my example, like in my case, what I want to do here is real. You, it's entertainment. Sure. This is a show. Yes. But it's very real. This is a story that started in 1977, and I'm trying to wrap it up before, I don't know, 2026, whatever it may be. It's real. And I think when it's real, it connects to more people. And I want them to take the journey with me. That song, Kingdom, that Downstate plays, that we moved heaven and earth to make sure was my music here at WWE as well. It says, I'll I'll follow you to the end. And, And what it really implies is as a fan, following my journey, but also as the person I need you to follow. The journey is not, it doesn't mean near as much if if you guys don't follow. And I think expanding upon those personal connections, people who my story might resonate with, people who Seth's story might resonate with, but then you've got guys like Theory who are just chipping away at it, just chipping away uh, all the right pieces and stuff. If you're a money ball baseballer, you're looking at, it's got all the right pieces i think you guys know what i mean in terms of letting the letting the young the young group rise at the same time that all these guys and girls who have been doing it for a minute and know what they're doing are popping off just makes for great business i think that's the next step a rising tide raises all ships i think that's an apropos statement listening to you explain your perspective about wanting to come through the screen as you're saying those words i'm of course envisioning dusty putting his hand reach out touch my hand how much of that mentality has consciously or otherwise uh, played into what you're doing today. Yes. Now you're wearing, you know, a three piece suit generally every time anybody sees you, but the fan interaction, the values that you're espousing right now sound very similar to that, which made the American dream American pop culture because people were to connect. Is that something you consciously draw from or is it something that's almost inherent at this point in your life? I think it's something I figured out later in the game was part of what we do again showed right up in WWE, took it for granted. Here's all these people, they're here, but they weren't there to see me. You know, at the time they were there to see John Cena, Randy Orton, you know, and and you take it for granted. You you believe your own essentially. Um, Dusty was a school, uh, he was from the school of Eddie Graham. And Eddie Graham is a prime example. A lot of those promoters from the territory stage are not unlike Eddie. Uh, Vince Sr., very similar too as well in terms of community. Build your community. Your world champion is going to go talk to the Rotary Club or the Boys and Girls Club. These things that, you know, there's they're different outlets now. And social media is actually very helpful in discovering these outlets. Um, that, that school of thought just came to me later in the day in terms of if you watch Dusty from Florida, he's doing a car commercial. He's at a family barbecue. Uh, he's... he's uh, the guest at the harmonic, just these unique events. He made himself present in so many different places 
to make that connection to a fan, but also to let him know, hey, I'm a wrestler. If you have any thoughts about wrestling, look at me. You had a good time, right? We had fun. You laughed. Like, I don't, maybe I don't even look like what you thought. Try it out. Try it out. The oldest rules in the book, which is funny because I, I started by saying all oh, the old rules are out of the book, but the, the oldest rule in the book is, is just that word of mouth general ability to promote and, and bring people in uh, to what we do and then hope that they bring people in. And Dusty and Eddie, uh, Paul Bosch, I mean, freaking Fritz von Eric, they were all of that thought process of let's get these good guys, these baby faces out in the community. Uh, let's, let's connect them with people and let's see if we can bring people from, let's see if we can find the casual fan, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I think that's a big thing that Dusty did that he did genuinely. And that's what makes Dusty Dusty. He's genuine. And uh, he meant it. It wasn't just about selling tickets. And that's a big thing for fans. That's a hurdle for fans to get over too. I know a lot of fans think of me and think like, Oh, that guy's a fraud. And the best you can do is just keep doing it until they realize, hey, we're not feeding homeless people uh, cheeseburgers on an Instagram post. This is sincere outreach. This is sincere. Uh, genuinely, I, 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 I care because you've cared about me, if that makes any sense. Since you've been back, it's been six years. Obviously, there's a changeover from fans. Uh, there's a changeover of talent since you were last here. The one constant definitely is still the, the, the imprint that the American dream made on so many superstars from myself to Seth Rollins, to Roman Reigns, all these guys you've named. Is it something you could feel when you came back? Does it, does it feel familiar or are there aspects that you recognize? Oh, Hey, that, that was the dream dream did that. Or I, I grew up knowing that because of, of dream. Is that something you can feel these days? I think there's a group of you guys who are there on the ground, you and um, Becky, uh, Bailey, Seth, Kevin, you know, a few others who were truly kind of within for a brief time, the realm of Dusty uh, and the promo classes, the performance center, the all the the la the winner of his life and career, that last bit of him was given to uh, you guys. And for a very long time, jealous is probably the best word, but it was it wasn't just jealous as much as it was. Yeah, maybe it was just jealous. Uh, who, who knows? But it was difficult. When those initial takeovers started, I lived in Winter Park, Florida. I, I remember specifically the Sami Zayn Cesaro takeover that was at the um, at, at Full Sail. At Full Sail, right. And I remember telling Brandy, I said, today is going to be a really bad day for me. Today, uh, the this hot, super hot thing is happening right down the street. And here I am of the same age but not clicking on this level. The super hot thing is happening. And my dad is one of the people spearheading it and I'm nowhere near it. And I needed, I remember that day I was like, well, let's put it out of our minds. That's not, you know, and instead I actually sat down and watched it because I wanted to feel it. I wanted like, yeah, it is this good. And they have something special going on there. Um, but after that, it took me a long time to move past from jealousy to a place of it's okay. Uh, you know, like they're everyone is a better performer because they got that experience. And the reason it was jealous is not just because he was my dad. It's because I didn't get it. Dusty separated himself from me. He, uh, which is what he thought was the right thing to do. And I totally get it. He told Arn Anderson to look after me, He left the writing team. He went to Florida. He started up with you guys having a blast. And I didn't get, I talked to him every day, but we never really got into how do I do this? Hey, how do, how do I do this? We never really got into it. Like, and he was so close to the, close to me as his son. And we had a close relationship as father and son. I don't think we would have been able to have a real functional, well, here's what I did. And this, you got to do it this way. Cause as a kid, you're like, nah, it's, you're not going to listen to your parents. Um, so it was unique in that I didn't get it. And I was just mad that you guys did. I remember he talked about this vignette with you one time. I, I'm sure y'all never did it because it was so ambitious. He was talking about this car and driving it all over. It was going to go through uh, like the, the classic areas of Hollywood and just, I think he's going to go past the Viper room, all this just, Oh yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm grinning from ear to ear right now because yeah. I, I know you had the conversation because I'm you're hitting all the tenants. He used to tell me, I'm going to make you my James Dean, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, and I remember I, when those conversations would come up, I would always tell him honestly, like, yeah, that sounds great. That's really cool. I don't think he realized to me, like, Oh, Hey, I, I like a vignette dad. Yeah. I'd like, can you make one for me? You know, but yeah, that, 
that ship had sailed and uh it was okay that it had sailed i got great trainers on my own and stuff but it I come back now and i see that effect it has uh i feel connected to you guys for that's what that look between you and i was right, right. i feel connected to you guys more than i ever was uh I wasn't at the performance center at full sale, but I, I feel that a lot of these little, he wasn't a functional teacher where he, Hey, here's your curriculum. It was things he would say from time to time that would just be, Oh my gosh, now I get it. And I I'm glad I get to share that with you guys. Oh, no doubt about it. I, I felt it at WrestleMania. There's, there's actually a photo. Somebody tagged me and it was a photo of me. I believe it might've been the moment you were thinking of, but you are maybe right when you came to the ring, you were on the ropes kind of standing above the commentary yeah. table when you were looking out and I was looking up and of course Twitter to get somebody that looks at you the way Graves looks at Cody. It was just, it was just that moment. Oh, it was yeah, kind of, yeah. it was surreal. That was the word I used at WrestleMania because again, you and I, we, we, I don't want to say we've completely fallen out of touch, but we don't chat like we did when you were around the first time. And, and I would yeah. check in with you every once in a blue moon, make sure you, you know, everyone's happy and healthy. And, but to have that be there and, and, like, like I said, it all comes back to how easy that story was for me to tell because it was real life. It was your journey. It was the culmination of a chapter of your life, of your career. Rollins at this point with all of the background with yourself and, and Dusty, it just felt like a perfect storm. And I honest to God, man, I'm not blowing smoke. I will remember that moment, that match for the rest of my career because that was just such a, I'm having trouble even finding the right words. It was just the, everything led up to that point. And it was sort of like the, the culmination of, of three different careers or three different journeys, all meeting at one point in Dallas, Texas, that was truly, truly special. I think that one thing just to add is that it will, one thing you offer, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out, I really look forward to you calling the journey and calling the story and the, the team that you have and I also look forward to the times that Michael Cole does. Yes. Because Michael has, you have a connection to Dusty in a way that's very unique and special. And Michael has a connection to me specifically because as Dusty was helping all you guys out, Michael Cole, this is pre-BTE, Michael Cole was helping me with the JBL and Cole show and just finding myself and he was a great uh boss to to brandy and was very much linked to me so i was telling him i was like it was so cool you know Corey has that connection to the dream and to me and then michael has you know a connection to me and then to the dream in a way so it will make for very fun moments when 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 it happens I can't wait, man. I, I'm so, so excited to be part of this journey alongside with you. We've talked a ton about business. I know you've been doing media nonstop since WrestleMania. In the tiny windows that you've had, what's keeping Cody Rhodes sane when not on camera these days? Oh, ooh. What is keeping me sane? Um, I'll give you an example of what kept me sane this past weekend. I did the loop and just kept me calm and level-headed you know you you do your saturday night's main event your sunday stunner and then you get to raw uh i brought uh pharaoh you know my husky is oh yeah he's 11 he's 11 years old now he's super he's acting like he's 300 years old uh but he came he came on the bus that's another thing that really has the the bus bus culture has i get i'm i'm getting used to this I, again i'm not gonna try and <laughs> take it for granted, but what a way to expand your career physically in terms of, Oh my gosh, it's all here. I can bring my family on the road with me. Uh, it's, it's all right in front of me and I not have to do the rental cars and the flights every single day. So the bus culture, I'm really getting in. I did find though, that me being the new bus, I feel like they put me in the new bus position, which at the last three shows was directly where the fans gather in the parking lot. No so, so, so there's a hierarchy of bus culture. Oh, <laughs> you, have to, I mean, you have to pay your bus culture dues yeah. all over again. <laughs> I think you do because I would say that's probably a, a new driver, new bus, whatever it may be. But yeah, I, I mean, I again, I'll spend all day with the fans, but you do have to walk by them three or four times. Like, hey, guys, well, nice to see you guys again. Like all three <laughs> shows, I mean, right by 
the spot where they would gather, like where the open lot is and stuff like that. So uh, that's the only byproduct negatively of bus culture at the moment. But that's doing it. That's keeping me, uh, keeping me good. In addition to that, there's a bazillion new Star Trek shows out. I'm big late in life, Trekkie. Uh, so all these new shows like Picard and everything, that's keeping, that's keeping me where I need to be. Halo's rocking. I'm talking about the wrong app, so I got to be careful here, but Halo's doing really well. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cody, uh, Vic, do you have anything else you want to get yeah, to before? I, I actually yeah, what do the, because... What, the, what do you do on this show, Vic? You haven't done it. <laughs> yes! Cody, I've been stealing money from this company for probably about five years right now. I've just been playing it. Dreamer always told me, work smarter, not harder. So I just yeah, sit back a- and let Corey do his own thing and every now and again chime in with a, ha oh, like a little laugh and we're off and running at that point. He's my Andy Richter. There's a really good example of uh, working smarter, not harder that I stumbled across, I think, on Peacock recently, which is a Brutus Beefcake Macho Man in-ring segment that is on the live events. So it's a house show deal uh-huh. that they were doing around the horn where he's asking him, are you going to propose to Liz? And it's just about asking him the whole segment. There's no physicality. There's no buddy runs in. The whole segment is is macho at his best talking about, well, maybe like the whole and the crowd's getting hotter and hotter. But you'll notice it's like the definition of stealing money. Beefcake has on his his fishnet cutout tights right. with his tennis shoes. He's wearing the <laughs> tennis shoes. You like and they're they're calling it a uh, barbershop, like a barbershop segment. But it doesn't have the classic set, which need those need to be brought back to wrestling. By the way, the classic. I agree. Yes. I completely agree. I like the the old elevated stage in the crowd where we yeah. do it from retro Raws where Mean Gene used to stand there or the body would stand there. Oh, I, I yeah. completely agree. I miss those. I feel like if you have a talk segment, you need a bad set. And that yeah, that's the <laughs> definition. If you can find that segment of stealing money, though, they must have been doing it for months. Him in his tennis shoes, Vic. In his tennis shoes. I, I love it. But I'm glad you guys bring up retro because I was just talking to Wade Barrett at NXT and we were talking about Cody Rhodes bringing back the retro intercontinental title because Wade was very adamant that he hasn't kept a lot of things from his WWE runs. But the one thing he did hold on to was his replica intercontinental title. Let's say you win the big one. Could we see a retro version of a WWE championship brought back again? Wow. That's just the nerd in me coming out at this point. So the best is you went from doing jack on this podcast and now you asked the big question the clickbait question. That's that's why that's why I get paid. One question, one and done, <laughs> in and out. But it's always the one that matters the oh most. Oh my gosh, Vic, Vic, man, I've liked Vic from the moment I saw Vic. Oh, and here that we was go. with you yelling about the martini at Cardona's uh, excessive uh, party the night before the wedding. Well, you can't leave Graves hanging on that. You got to finish that story first. Well, okay, so if you've not heard this, Graves, my first interaction with this man, uh, who's Vic is. Vic is uh, disarmingly tall. So as a wrestler, you never want like, like, oh, come on, man. Like he's got like that Conan O'Brien, like random height to him. Um, but I walk into this, I walk into this big room um, again, kind of an odd man out because Cardona's collection of friends. I'm like the other friend. So I'm, I'm already feeling like odd man out at this. Uh, I was alone at the party. My wife didn't come to the next day for the actual wedding. So I'm kind of just trying to find a place to sit, chill out and let, you know, this is Cardona's big deal. This is all about him and her. And this guy, this taller guy is just yelling uh, about how <laughs> this is the best espresso martini he's ever had. And it's because of the beans. And I don't know why he makes eye contact with me and he starts saying three beans, right? Three beans. And he's aggressively yelling, almost sweating. Um about these three beans. And then I came over and introduced myself, said hello. He's like, you got to have three beans. Try one. The guy brought me an espresso martini and it only had two beans. And Vic was clear with the man who needed three. Sent it back. Mafia style. (laughs) He sent it back. Came with three beans. And that was a real big icebreaker for me because I was literally going to sit in the corner at that thing until, you know, like Miz came over and talked to me. I got a moment with the Miz or something. But uh, yeah, Vic, that's what makes an espresso martini, the three beans. I'd have the three beans, three olives and a regular martini as well. That's what you need down in the bar in the basement. Make sure you got the olives and the beans because you have to have it properly done. 
That's true. That's true. To answer your question about <laughs> if this was to happen, if the ultimate the ultimate dream was to be achieved, uh, I did do that once for the Intercontinental title. And it took a lot of work, but it was the right call once we got there. Hmm. I think there's a particular design of the WWE championship that people are very fond of. Um, you know, I don't even want to say it. It's two words. I think you guys know what... Do you know what I'm referring to? I know exactly to? what you're referring to. It's, oh, yeah. it's one of the more redundant named aspects of our industry. <laughs> Very I, redundant name. I have you never know seen a a flying bird without that uh, that aspect sure. of their anatomy. I'd say hypothetically, Vic, hypothetically, it would be something. It really would be something to to do that, achieve the ultimate industry dream being the best of the best ever in terms of that moment in time and then to perhaps give it a fresh coat of paint with the winged eagle the redundantly named title we are discussing um that would just be something i that's all i can all i can really say that would be something that would be three beans that would be the proper garnish on a Cody Rhodes heavyweight championship run. What do you? How do you feel about these espresso martinis when they drop the like the, the trash. scoop in? Absolute trash. You and I talked about this at, at the WrestleMania Access panel, but we couldn't really dive uh, into well, it. How did I not know you were like a, an espresso martini? Right, well, here's the thing. Our, Come on, our, now. we've spent enough time in bars. I have never seen you order anything with three beans that you couldn't eat. So you and I are the beer guys when we go out, when we went out. And if Michael Cole is with us, there's a shot of whiskey with us. When right. I go out with our aforementioned friend, Matt, he's a big martini individual. Yeah. He turned me into the martini monster that I am today, which is the three olives, the espresso martini, which then plays into the wedding earlier this year that Cody was referencing. So I haven't seen you, to be fair, Graves, I've seen you at your wedding and at WrestleMania in like the last two years. All right. Well, now I just need to know that if Cody's around, Cody and I can hang out in the corner while you and the espresso martini yeah. crew really. No, no, no. I'll bring you guys in. It's to all be about fair, the country. To be fair, I accepted the drink because it was the right thing to do. There was this big, tall guy holding court. Seemed like everyone knew him. I was not holding court. I, I will accept this drink, but I am not. Cardona is really big into this martini culture. I'm not really that into it. I am more, I'd say, of a hophead. I'm more of, you know, an IPA type. I'm, I'm a slow sipper as well. Um, yeah, the martini culture is not, not really my thing. Um, maybe it will, will become my thing. I've gotten more into bourbon lately than anything. There we go. Now Ooh. you're talking my language. Yeah, but so, like, bourbon is such a, a, I guess, toxic masculinity is a thing now. Right. It's yeah. very Ron Swanson. It's very Ron Swanson, which <laughs> I like. I like that. But that stuff scares Cardona away. I know. Like if it's heavy, it scares him away. He'd rather have like the big fishbowl, like the tequila fishbowl or the, the glow. He'd like ice. a hand grenade on New Orleans Bourbon Street. That's what he wants to be drinking. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. It's not. Uh, yeah, I don't know how we got on his drinking habits, but everything about that man is really unique. His personal connection to me is that man has defeated me in the ring more than just about anybody in the business ever. Because as you recall, Cody, when we would ride together from city to city, when I was still in NST yes. as a, as a superstar, the second match every night, basically every loop I did right before the new age outlaws versus Rhodes scholars would be yours truly. And the, uh, the, what is he of Staten Island? The, not the princess. I married her. No, he's Long not the Island. princess. Princess of Staten Island, Long Island, you know, New York. It's all, it's all one. King of Queens or is that, <laughs> is that uh, Hawkins? <laughs> Love it. I don't know. But yeah, you, so you took a lot of the, uh, the, what's his, the Rough Rider. So many Rough Riders. So yeah. many Rough Riders. So many jokes off of that. Rough Rider. <laughs> I, uh, I think I lost the most and I was shocked when I saw him shot like too much. Like I felt it in my rib cage. This moment like of shock was when I saw our truth. Uh, Cause Stardust wrestled our truth quite a lot. And in those matches, our truth didn't even like to come off his feet. Uh, I don't think so he still does. <laughs> <laughs> again, maybe working smarter than, than all of us for what we know. Plus he's like Benjamin button jeans. That's going on. He's getting younger, but I was as instantly part of me was scared when I saw him instantly that he, he was just going to turn around and hit me with the deal. And Oh man, the only bump <laughs> he took in those matches. Yeah. So I know everybody has that guy that you can't get the one on. 
That's Everybody it. had that guy. Yeah. Cardona was Cardona was yours. He sure Man. was. He's on a weird ass diet. His arms are bothering me. They're huge. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a lot of stuff we can get into, but I don't know if we have enough time just on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we don't have enough time. I'm sorry. We're going to have to bring you back for a second trip down memory lane. Yeah. Well, Cody, we know you're a busy guy, man. You got a lot on your plate. We are excited. I personally am super stoked that you are back where you belong. I look forward to seeing you each and every Monday night going forward. And in the meantime, you are always welcome here on After the Bell. And uh, we can discuss business or we can discuss bourbon or we can discuss uh, Vic and his three bean martini espressos. <laughs> Thank you for having me. We owe you something, Corey, and I have it. I do. have it. I'm going to bring it to TV. Monday, we're in Greensboro. Yes, sir. Oh, it's the perfect spot to give it to you then. We'll take a picture in Greensboro. I'm going to give it to you in Greensboro. I cannot wait, man. I'm super excited. Please text me so I don't forget. I will. I will. I, the, the last time you told me this, uh, it, the, the parcel was delivered by your beautiful mother, uh, and it is still hanging proudly and displayed here what in my home. What did she give you? I will show you. Hang tight. What did my mother... What the... This this is actually pretty cool. Look, I never got an opportunity to meet your father, but your father's fingerprints are through Tommy Dreamer to me because Dreamer and Rhino are the two oh, yeah. that really brought me up. So this was cool when he showed it to me for the first time. Dreamer, man. Dreamer. Dreamer is a man, dude. This was gifted to me. Let's see it. Is it coming through? Oh, the yeah. The LBJ. Give you a hat. This is not just any hat. This was the Dreams hat. This was his, uh, the LBJ... Stetson, he, he only wore once. Yes. So that, that hat was one of the more, he had a very romantic relationship with that hat. And a lot of the Stetson hats in general, but you got a good one there. You didn't get okie doke. That is a, that is a true <laughs> dusty special. Yeah. Yeah. Display it proudly, man. It's, it's been, I, I don't have much for my career. I don't have too many photos and things hanging around the walls. Have you ever of, put, have you ever put it on? Never once. I thought you that was some sort on. of, Yeah. Yeah, is that sacrilegious to put it on? I was going to say, I no. don't know. I mean, no, put it on for us. Let's right, well, this, see we're going to capture this. This is going to be legit the first put time this has on. ever happened. I could see Graves now wearing this every week in satin pajamas. Bring back the satin pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I feel, I feel, I can't pull it off anywhere near as well oh. as, as the dream did, but look at this, man. Oh, I feel good. Oh, I feel you, good. <laughs> you look like him. I love it, man. Well it's done. Amazing, man. It's amazing. Well done. It is one of my most prized possessions and will be taken care of until uh, I can no longer take care of it. So I will, I'm very much looking forward to uh, what awaits me in Greensboro. And uh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. You to man. Thank you both very much. Thank you, yes, sir. Cody Rose, ladies and gentlemen. Three beans, y'all. Vic, I, I feel like we went almost an hour with Cody and that wasn't even the tip of the iceberg. So much more to dive into with the American nightmare over the course of his new WWE journey. Yeah, it's easy to do. And he's very almost maybe too honest at, at times when you get a chance to talk to him. But the one thing I noticed about this entire thing was you yourself, you glow when we talk about Dusty Rhodes. So I know how important it was for you to have this today, to get to talk to Cody, to put on the hat. I mean, it was a special moment for me as a friend of yours to sit back and, and hear you have this conversation today. So I hope those that are listening on Spotify right now truly understand what today meant, not just to be another show, but for what After the Bell was on this Friday. No, you're absolutely right. And I've talked at length about what Dusty Rhodes has meant to me personally, to my career. And, and to be perfectly honest, save a handful of other figures. I can't really name too many people who have had such a massive impact on my career and thereby my life like Dusty Rose did. And uh, Cody has been a friend of mine for many moons. It's glad I'm glad to see him back where he belongs in my humble opinion. He is indeed home and it's, it's, you touched on it too. And I wanted to dive into it more. We just ran out of time. You're right. It's, it's odd to see Dusty Rhodes to this day, not odd, odds the wrong word. It's, it's very interesting to me of his fingerprints all over Raw, all over SmackDown, but also still to this day at NXT with the men's and women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Absolutely. And while we're talking about NXT, big week coming up this coming Tuesday, USA Network, 8 p.m. Eastern, NXT. We're going spring breaking, Vic. You ain't kidding. NXT spring breaking. NXT title will be defended. I am very much looking forward to seeing Carmelo Hayes 
Cameron Grimes and also Solo Sokoa in the triple threat match for the North American title. I have become a big fan of Cameron Grimes, even though I shouldn't be after everything he talked about with his father to us for the first time and to now see him be champion. Uh, he recently went to his father's grave and put a replica North American title on it to show his dad that he had achieved his dream. So it's a very touching story and I'm waiting to see how that plays out. Very excited for Tuesday. Yeah, I can't wait. NXT uh, spring break and do not miss it. Of course, Friday night SmackDown tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox. If you're listening to ATB when it comes out, as you should be, if you want to be yep. part of the most highly educated WWE fans in the world and continue your education. We want your engagement. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find him at Vic Joseph WWE. Make sure you listen for free on Spotify. Just search after the bell and smash the follow button so you never miss an episode. Trust me, you just heard Cody. You don't want to miss the good stuff because we are giving it to you week after week. And we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell.